You're listening to Nightmare on Film Street. The current time is 6.66. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife. But it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on Nightmare Time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare Alley, the spooky little side street podcast in the Nightmare on Film Street feed. I'm John. I'm Kim. And we are joined today by Mimi Cave and Lauren Kahn to talk about their new film, Fresh, which is on Hulu or Disney Plus right now, depending on where you are. Hulu in the States, Disney Plus in Canada. We don't want to give too much of Fresh away uh, if you haven't seen the film yet, but it follows a girl named Noah who's been having a rough time on the dating scene until she meets a guy named Steve in a grocery store, nonetheless. Mm -hmm. And... uh, He seems like the perfect guy for her. He's charismatic, he's sweet, he's funny, and then, you know, shit takes a turn for the worse, and uh, there's food involved. (laughs) I I don't think you need to bury the lead too much on that. Fresh is a really fun, really really high-energy thriller uh, about, yeah, the dating world, online dating, uh, meeting people in person, um, and I'm just going to fucking say it, cannibalism, baby! (laughs) Holy shit! I mean, that's the thing, and that's the huge bummer, is that I wish this was, I wish that was the one detail they kept out of any of the promotion for this movie. It could have just as easily been like, oh my god, she met a serial killer while dating, and now he has her chained up in his basement. I mean, I'm pretty sure cannibals are also serial killers, but okay. He's a capitalist. Thank you very much. <laughs> he's a serial entrepreneur. He's a stone cold capitalist. And he's played by Sebastian Stan. Uh, if you've been watching Pam and Tommy, or you watch the 355, or you're a Marvel fan, you already know Sebastian Stan. Uh, he is like the perfect Ted Bundy type in Fresh. He's the picture perfect, too good to be true boyfriend who turns out to be too good to be true. Uh, and the the lead is played by Daisy Edgar Jones, who is is pretty pretty wonderful as a sort of fucking survivor. Fucking survivor. There you go. That's it. <laughs> As always, you can listen to this interview right now, even though you haven't seen the film, because we don't talk about any spoilerific stuff. We try to keep it more to the creation of the film and the inspiration. So you can definitely listen to this interview without having seen the film. But because the film is out, you can totally watch it before you listen. It's totally up to you. Yeah, believe it or not, just knowing that the movie involves cannibalism is not a spoiler. And we get into all those gory details with director Mimi Cave and writer Lauren Kahn. Before we get into it, though, here's the trailer for Fresh. The women in our parents' generation, they just... They were more into femininity. You know what I mean? Because mm. I think you would just look great in a dress. You but I mean, if you were... Pretty much done, actually, thank you. If it's cool, I'm just going to snag these leftovers. I don't know how you do it, Molly. Do what? Dating people. No, no. You do not need a man, okay? So don't play the games. Just be you, straight out the gate. Do you live around here? Because I, I live on aisle six. Oh, it's terrible. It was kind of terrible. What's his Instagram? I want to stalk a little bit. He doesn't have one. Say what? Yeah. Oh, no. See, that's, that's shady. Let's play a game. Tell me something you don't want me to know. I 
hate this. Okay. <laughs> put all our hopes in finding happiness through someone else. Yeah. Girl, you are all digmatized and I haven't even seen this dude. What's going on? I'm gonna tell you, but you're gonna freak out. No, this isn't happening. Yeah, it's happening. No games. Know what you wanted? It's about giving. Giving yourself over to somebody. Becoming one forever. That's love. Forget this. It's a straight girl's fantasy come true, right? So does does anybody have a particularly bad dating story that inspired this movie? Uh, everyone? I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I have mentioned that, you know, like the first date in the movie is pretty much taken out of my life in my 20s, like wow. down to the text message. So oh, no. That, that, oh, yeah. No, that is that is scarf all of it um it was it's it's very uh yeah so I was like at the, even at the time I was like this better go into something it's better be worth it so yeah I think I think all of us have sort of as as women and men in, in the dating world we all have that like arsenal of like all right this is one of my stories and, and it was really sucky to go through but it's fun to tell now um maybe maybe not uh what about you Mimi oh man I, I feel like I do. I don't have anything off the top of my head that I can like pull. That's like a really funny or good story, but um, definitely a lot of like little pieces of Chad were in there. And I think, you know, that scene is definitely sort of an amalgamation of, of a lot of different things that could happen. Um, certainly like men who maybe just don't have manners, you know, and are really just like not aware of tact and, the idea that like having a little bit of that is actually really attractive. <laughs> um, so yeah, just like uh, I've had definitely had dates with people with men who are very like unaware and kind of in their own world. Yeah. And it's also just fresh as great commentary on the modern dating scene in general, because Steve, who is like completely charming and disarming and um, just like all around, you know, an attractive seems like great guy. But she doesn't necessarily meet him on quote unquote Tinder. She meets him out and about in the real world. So it's kind of just about dating as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's kind of the fun of it is that we s sort of subvert the idea by by like, oh, we, you know, dating online sucks, blah, blah, blah. Oh, you actually met a person in real life. And I think what's funny is for like Gen Z, that actually might be a red flag <laughs> to meet someone <laughs> in real life. Whereas right. like for my generation, it's like, that's what you want or that's what you're hoping for is to meet someone organically. So yeah, so I think I think we kind of like subvert that a little bit and it's just fun to play in that world. And when did uh, when did everybody get brought into the project? Was it a story that you'd brought to, to Mimi, Lauren, or, or Mimi, had you approached Lauren for this? Well, I, you know, I, I wrote it and uh, that was crazy. And then, and then I brought it to sort of, I have this sort of unspoken first look with um, Hyper Object, which which ended up producing it, and and I had never written anything like that before. So, they and I didn't tell them anything. I was like, just read this, and that was the most fun because they were like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" And I was like, "I don't know. Let's just go for it." Um, and then it was really about like finding that person that got what we were trying to do, 
the tone, the balance, the the genre. And when Mimi came in, it was like a friend of a friend. It was like, you know, we were getting, it was just a, what they said, Beshert. It was sort of fate-like the way we ended up sort of coming into contact with each other. And it was very, um, it was amazing when she came in, she came in with this lookbook, and the things she said and the things that she saw and wanted to do with the movie, it was like the first time that like when she left, it, it was me and the other two producers. We were just like, oh, she gets it, you know, like she's not trying to change it into something it's not. And she is ready to like take this on and balance this crazy tone we're trying to get to. And so it was very instantaneous. We were just like, she's the one. And uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, she came on you know, like a year like a week or more, before, yeah, like a week before the world shut down. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, much. yeah, literally it was like January. So it was like right before. Damn. And so, so what was it about the script that uh, immediately uh, grabbed your attention, Mimi? I just never really like read, had an experience reading like that. You know, there were a lot of moments where I had to put the script down. There were a lot of moments where I was like, what the fuck, you know, like very (laughs) vocal. Um, And so I think for me, it was just like, I just couldn't stop thinking about it. And it was like, you know, itching at me in all the right ways and all the wrong ways. (laughs) And so I feel like just having the opportunity to go in and, and sort of give my version of what I would do for the script in a lot of ways was, uh, you know, it was, it was scary because the script is scary and to take it on is, is a challenge. And I think, um, there was a little part of me that thought like, Oh, what if I actually get this movie? (laughs) I'm going to have to figure out how to do this. (laughs) Um, but I think like, I really, when I went into the room with everyone, I wanted to give a very honest take of what I wanted to do and, and just, had a pretty clear vision, didn't exactly know how I was going to get there, but, um, but knew what it could be and felt like there were enough, um, deep themes and really interesting movements in the script that, um, there was a lot to play with and a lot to dive into. And so, yeah. That's so cool. And for a movie that's got um, such a like intense themes and uh, subject matter, you guys really nail the tone. And a lot of that comes down to, I think, like the styling and the aesthetic of the film, that how it feels like it's part of a time period and the music. Can you talk a little about that? Um, yeah, I think, you know, I, I oh, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a motorcycle behind me. Um, I think that every little piece was important, you know, to build the mise-en-scene and to build the film and the world. And so it was all being broken down piece by piece of, I, I knew that I wanted to really sort of elevate the, the cinematography. I knew that I wanted the, um, the color to be very rich. I wanted the reds to pop. Um, and I knew that I wanted to have sort of a lot of control over the production design and where we were taking it and how we were building things. And so it was all, you know, as, as each head of department came on and we all started to collaborate, I think it just became this sort of like beautiful mission that we were all on to take everything up a notch and really like challenge each other of, of how can we make this even better? How can we create this design in a way where there's multiple meanings and like the hope is that when you watch the film if you watch it again you see things that you didn't see the first time yeah and like just just talking about set design and and decoration there is the is the house that the the movie takes place in is that a is that a built set or is that a location you found it's a set okay Um, good because i was gonna say whoever you rented that from (laughs) i probably wouldn't go to their house ever again if i was alone (laughs) 
<laughs> no, it's a set. Um, St- Steve's house is entirely a set, uh, except for the exterior. And which is, the exterior was pretty. Yeah. That feeling oh, yeah. <laughs> when we got there. I believe it. Um, we did take some inspiration from that house where you see the exterior. We did go inside and we took some inspiration um, in the design from there and we matched the interior and exterior. And, but honestly, it was like I had a, I had a weird, like, sort of vision in my head of what I wanted Steve's house to look like when you first walked in. Mm-hmm. Um, and from there, my my production designer, Jen Morden, and I just built out each thing room by room of how we wanted it to feel, what was the scale. Um, and, you know, I think it, it, it was a labor of love. It took us many months to figure out and um, I'm very proud of it and, and very proud of her and her ability to pull it off. <laughs> um, but even designing like, you know, the, the basement, that was a huge thing and really, really fun to do. And we really wanted to make sure we weren't copying any other films before. And so we had a lot of research in place of what does a hostage situation look like? And, and, and we pulled stills from all these films that have done that in the past. So we knew what to avoid. So yeah, lots of lots of stuff went into that. Yeah, it's a super great decision and also like a hard, you know, talking about tone as well to to pull off. Yours in terms of like captor captive type movies, definitely the most fun. Like I don't know that there's dance <laughs> numbers, like musical numbers kind of in the middle of any of those movies. <laughs> yeah, you know, you got to keep it moving. <laughs> Yeah, and and of course Sebastian Stan really sells that as well. When did when did he come on board? Well, we cast Daisy first. Um, We wanted to make sure we had our Noah in place to sort of build the world around her because she, you know, it's her story at the end of the day. And Sebastian came on. um, I interviewed him. We had a talk on Zoom in, I want to say late July, um, early August of 2020. And we really hit it off and it was great. And then I, I, I just remember that we were all on a phone call, me and Lauren and the producers, and um, we had decided, we were like, okay, we're going to offer the part to Sebastian. Okay, we're going to do it tomorrow or whatever. We're going to send him the offer tomorrow. And I was driving home and I pulled over, I got this like email on my phone that was from some like fake email. (laughs) I was like, Mimi, it's Sebastian. And I like (laughs) opened it and it was just like, I couldn't help myself. And he didn't know he had the part yet, which I think is funny but it was just a video of him dancing in a kitchen with a steak knife (laughs) (laughs) and I'm pretty sure he's gonna release it tomorrow because he's like we have to to put this out (laughs) um and I was just like I had I had to pull over because I was just like oh my (laughs) god (laughs) and so I felt like immediately validated of the decision (laughs) that we made to bring him on but um yeah, so he, there was no audition, but he created an audition for himself. <laughs> That's so great. And then for the movie, you gave him a meat mallet and you were like, do it again. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line 
prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. So just regarding the, the whole culty sort of cannibal country club that that is in the background of this movie is is there any more uh lauren that you could tell us about that like is there a a world that you sort of built for his business you know i've always been interested in like the uber wealthy and the darkness that i think surrounds them you know it's like it's like when you're so rich that you can literally get anything like what brings you joy and pleasure you know like there's darkness there and i think you know i I felt very validated when squid game came out and i was like it's in the zeitgeist. Like (laughs) people feel that, you know, and, and I, I knew, you know, I, I, God, I hope not this exactly exists, but there is, there is definitely, you know, with the dark web and, and cryptocurrency and like all this shit going on now, like there is stuff underneath the surface that I find intriguing and also terrifying. And, you know, I definitely wanted to, to tap into a, a great, like, not just this is a person doing it, but there's a greater world and need that exists um, outside of that, that I think was a lot more haunting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like the, the hello fresh version of hostel. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll do a crossover promotion with them. Or something. Oh God. Well, we already did one with Tinder. So great. Oh, really? I didn't know about that. That's amazing. Keep swiping. <laughs> swiping, you might get Steve. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 like, the, other, the other thing that I thought was like so great is that the, the relationship, the friendship between Molly and Noah is so great. And you don't, you don't see friendship like that in a horror movie enough because she just does not give up. She's, She's such a good detective. <laughs> you know, everybody needs that friend. And I think both Mimi and I, we have these strong female friendships in our life where you do check in on each other. And, and like, as women, when you go on on dates, it's like some of your location, there are certain things that as women, it's like supporting each other that we will go the extra mile. And we can tell like that, you know, you know how your friends text, right. You know, the way they do things. And it's that like little voice inside of you when it comes to friendships and knowing each other inside and out that like, you can pick up on certain things that other people wouldn't necessarily. And, and I have those friendships in my life. I know Mimi does. And I just felt like, I always feel like female friendships are important to show. Um, so I was like, Hey, why not? This should, a horror film is, is no different if we're, you know, making it real and grounded in that way. Yeah. yeah. It always, it always feels weird when there isn't somebody that's like immediately like I am Looking going to hunt. Yeah, yeah. I maybe that's just hopeful. Like I just I hope that there's somebody. You who hope does if that you get yeah. kidnapped, somebody <laughs> yeah. will hopefully. There's yeah. that friend. Yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think also like just that that female friendship is also speaking to the modern dating scene still because I don't know. I th- I think that like in our generation and in the last few years, like. I I know more single people than I ever have before. And weirdly your friends, I think, especially in like big cities and stuff, like the culture is just different and weirdly your friends become your family. And I think that, so we rely on people in a way that, you know, maybe in in other certain places you don't, where you just, you're like, this is all I have. I don't have any family here. Like you're my family. (laughs) Like we need to like, when I call you in the middle of the night, like you're going to take me to the hospital, you know? So it's, it's a different level of sort of relying on people for your safety. 
Yeah, and Noah, she she even when she's separated from her friend, she kind of finds that in captivity, like the friendship is kind of what gets her through that harrowing experience. Yeah, exactly. And I think it also keeps her sane, even though the person that she meets is has already kind of lost their sanity in some sense of just being there for so long. Yeah, and uh, just I was just thinking about when we saw this back at Sundance, it was kind of a blind watch for us. We didn't really know where the movie was was headed. The best. Yeah, like I'm really, I really hope that's how most people discover this. Um, although I know a lot of people are excited about it, so uh, I'm, I'm excited to see their reaction as well. Um, you know, and and knowing like what horror Sundance had sort of lined up for their Midnight Madness program, it's kind of crazy that yours turned out to be the goriest one. <laughs> Like, despite being a really fun, funny movie, it has so many body parts in it. Who's your Who's your arm and leg guy? Well, you know, um, our our makeup uh, special effects prosthetics person um, is a guy, Bill Terazakis. Um, he unfortunately he passed away after oh. we after we shot. Um, so Fresh was one of his last productions. He was on, I think, Peter Pan when he passed away. But wow. yeah, he, he was a, a, a huge sort of like talent in his field. And um, I just remember he was so excited to be doing it because that, for him, it's like such a challenge. And I was always like, Bill, you know a little too much about body parts. <laughs> <laughs> but he was the person where I would get an email from him and I'd be like, okay, I got to make sure I'm sitting somewhere safe to open this because he'd be sending me, you know, trials of the prosthetics and like, does this look right? And is this like, is the meat inside looking, you know, like just lots of Lots of really disturbing and no trigger warnings, right? You just like knew you're getting an email from him. You were like, okay, all right, this there's not going to be like it's going to be really bad. Like these no. photos, like you know, there's nothing. You're just opening. Like, like, what am I about to yeah. see? I was always like, ah. <laughs> um, I think that he like just you know geeked out in a lot of ways, and for him, he's used to building things like that, but hadn't quite done something like what we were asking for, and. Um, yeah, just did an amazing job and worked really well with all of us to to get the right look of everything. I'm he a- was really passionate and like had so much fun and was so in it. it he was such a pleasure to work with. That's so great to hear. Uh, I was going to say, I'm a little afraid to ask, but do you know what the breast meat was? <laughs> I do. Yeah. Um, it was mostly chicken fat. Oh, okay. So <laughs> a lot of the things like, you know, we needed a specific look and we did, we did have a medical consultant and anatomy experts on staff. So we were always sort of like cross pollinating with our departments of between art and between, you know, um, acting and performance and like what's real and what food you know, <laughs> all that stuff and food and everything. So yeah, we, we knew that we needed that sort of like fatty tissue. Did anybody, did anybody get sort of like, you know, squeamish or, or grossed out while, while eating some of it? Like, I'm sure what they had on the well, plate was like <laughs> chicken. I but mean, I mean Daisy. Yeah, we wanted it. She had to eat a lot of chicken liver crostinis back to back. And when Sebastian eats on screen, he just eats. He's just yeah. like, oh no, in his character, and he will he will put it down. So I was always like, slow down, Sebastian. <laughs> the, end of, the end of it, you're doing like 15 takes just cause. <laughs> yeah, right. That's torture. <laughs> it's it's kind of crazy how you know appetizing it looks and also disgusting, like back to back. 
Uh, like, what, what were the approaches to try and make, make it look like either of those things? Because you do a great job. Um, yeah, we, we just, we worked with um, a chef and our prop stylist to get the right looks for everything. So it was a, a process like everything else. And we just knew we wanted to create dishes that were, you know, immediately familiar, but also had this sort of like sense that something was off, whether that be the texture, uh, the way the light hits it, the color. And so we, you know, kind of like auditioned different ingredients to make sure that not only did it come across right on screen, but it had to be edible. So, you know, in a normal sort of food styling situation, we could have used chemicals and things like that, but we couldn't do that with this. We had to have it be something that Daisy could pick up and eat. So, um, so it was a challenge, but it was fun and, and they killed it. Yeah. It looks great. And also gross. I mean, it looks, it looks great and gross. <laughs> we're, in a, we're in a weird <laughs> position. We've done our job. Yeah, we, we don't eat meat. So it kind of all looks gross to us anyway, but it, it looks awesome. And I, I think a few people will follow your footsteps after this. I've yeah. definitely heard like, I think it's salads for me for the week, you know? Like, yeah, that's going to be you know, like the standing save, ovation, right? If we can save a few cows and pigs, I'm fine with that. <laughs> I am i don't eat red meat, so I'm good with it. Perfect. Yeah. Which which I've gotten some gifts of like, just like someone sent me like a hunk of steak and they didn't oh, know I used to no. eat. <laughs> they don't know. I was like, thank you. <laughs> like They don't know that I don't eat red meat. Yeah. Meanwhile, they're like friggin' nailed it. Like best <laughs> gift I've given this week. I mean, it was very clever. Yeah. I Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and you know lastly uh we like to ask everybody who comes on the show what your dream double feature would be at the drive-in if you could play any two movies what would you play we'll uh, we'll start with you lauren okay um i like two come to mind one a newer one because i i feel like it dances with a similar tone which is parasite oh, yeah. um and i think Fine. did i take it did i take it well okay. i'll give another one that's way that's off okay, that i was okay. That was like recently it's it's burned in my brain as a kid in its shockingness value. So there's something about that, which is sleepaway camp. Okay. I don't know if that's like, that's one that scarred and changed me in a way. (laughs) Hopefully, Um, So there is something in the shock value of that, that seems kind of fun. Um, It's definitely campier and bigger and bloodier, but um, uh, as far as double features go, like I'd say parasite or maybe sleepaway camp. Yeah, that's that's, that's a great choice. I thought you were going to say parents for a half a second there. Parents was also a big inspiration. And like that, the dream sequence, there's like a dream sequence in there that like is also burned into my, into my memory and brain at watching it as a kid. Awesome. So how about I you, had never, I had never seen parents until like a month ago. Oh yeah? Yeah. Never seen it before in my life. It's, I was like, what the hell is this thing? It's a weird one. Yeah. And also, it's also a weird super one. silly like yours. It, they, awesome. The it's two of them awesome well together, is what right? it is. All right, so I'm gonna just I'm gonna just throw some randoms in there because I I don't really have a great answer. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say Boogie Nights, sure, mm. because everybody loves Boogie Nights. Absolutely, you know you're gonna have some fun. And then another one that just came to my mind, kind of in, in, inspired by parents, I think would be um, Beetlejuice. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, <that's> a <laughs> Totally random, but that's the answer. Now. The shrimp cocktail. There's the shrimp cocktail. That's terrifying yes, and food related. That's so true. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, there's the sing along. It's yeah, like, like right here. We've just made a mini there's film music. festival. This is great. There's dancing at the end. There's dancing. This is perfect. Well, thank you, thank you again so much for taking the time to talk to us and and for making fresh. We really enjoyed it's it. So much fun. Thank oh man, thank you.
Thank you so much to Mimi Cave and Lauren Kahn for chatting with us about Fresh. You can watch Fresh on Hulu or Disney Plus, depending on where you're located. And let us know what you thought of the movie over on Twitter at NOFS Podcast or in our Discord at nofspodcast.com slash Discord. If you enjoyed this episode, continue supporting Nightmare on Film Street by joining the NOFS Fiend Club. We've got plenty of bonus episodes waiting for you over there, but you can support the show right now for free by leaving a quick review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you're listening to this. Spotify has reviews now. It's just ratings, I think. It's just ratings. That's even faster. All you gotta do is say five stars. That's all. That's all you gotta do. Uh, You don't have to come up with a title. Remember your login. Fine. Oh, that's oh, the worst. Fuck. Anytime I got to do anything on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, just like, what's my Apple ID again? What? What? Oh, God. You don't need any of that. You can just leave us, leave us. If you're listening to this on Spotify right now, you can just leave us a five star rating. You can do the same on Apple Podcasts. We'd really appreciate it. It's how we get the show in front of more fiends like yourself, and it costs zero dollars. But until next week, I'm Kim. I'm John. By the way, we're talking about Killer Clowns from Outer Space next week. You got time to rewatch it. Eh? Uh, And until then, stay stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive, but we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website, nofspodcast.com. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends.